In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. This is episode number 31. Welcome to Be Fulfilled, the real stories behind success. You take money off the table, what do you got? We're going to find out today. The CEO and co-founder at Bad Rhino Inc. It's a full-service, award-winning social media marketing agency based in Westchester, Philadelphia. I'm sure we're going to be talking about the Eagles today and since 2002. Marty has consulted with small businesses and startups to help them succeed online. Bad Rhino is a full-service social media marketing and digital agency that has literally been kicking butt since 2011. One of my really, really just aha moments of my day is anytime I get a chance to interact with this guy. He's just an amazing human being with just this overwhelming sense of joy. He loves to come online and go through people's Facebooks and make really, I think, smart (laughs) comments where everybody else is just like, oh, the stating the obvious. He's like, nah, let me show you what I want to tell you. And then he tells you because at the end of the day, he's just a really, really good guy. Please welcome to the show, Marty McDonald. Thanks, Tony. Always great to have your energy, whether it's online or in another format. So I appreciate you having me on again. Yeah, I'm excited. So what we are doing with this show is out the gate asking you that very first kind of important question. What is your definition of success? And then we'll figure out why you do what you do after that. Yeah. So I think, and this is probably why you have this show, because it's an intriguing answer for everybody, what they do for success, how they define that. And to me, it's always been, it's very simple, the freedom to do what I want within reason. And that could be a lot of things to a lot of people. But for me, that is having control over my schedule, being able to work with clients that I want to work with, being able to work with contractors that I want to work with and work with people that really you know, appreciate what you do and there's a mutual respect, but also where you can have some fun interjected into that, whether that's in our office or at our clients or just the industries that we're involved in. But bottom line, I like to be able to get up and if I don't want to go to work and I'm not feeling it and I don't have to be somewhere, so to speak, at 8 a.m., that has always been the driving force is I have to work within my, you know, whatever you want to call it. When I feel it, I'll work till like my fingers bleed, so to speak. But when I'm not, I'm off and I'm no good to anybody. And that's just been the way I've been since I've been born. I feel like. (laughs) I like that. I mean, as we get started, I just like that. What you just said, that's like a really simple statement, but most likely most entrepreneurs have a hard time executing that. Totally. Here's the, here's what I heard. When I wake up in the morning, I don't have anything to do. I actually really like that, like in this context, right? And then when I know that I have something to do, I love that and I'll do it until my fingers bleed, but I like my freedom. So if I want to just stay home, hang out, do whatever, I have that ability to, and I don't feel like the world's going to come crashing in on me, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, if I feel like starting work at 4 p.m., and I work till 4 a.m., that might be a day. I've like regulated that to try and put some structure behind it. But ultimately, when I work in something much like marketing, which started off as a hobby for me, what I found was I was able to control my schedule more and it fed into my life and what else I like to do. But I hated being penned in. I hated it like that idea of I have to go to an office. I have to do this from that job standpoint. And once I broke out of that, I figured, well, I don't necessarily need to have that structure because I don't operate in that structure. That's why I hated school. Oh, I love it. Okay. This would be a great interview. Um, <laughs> paint the picture just a little bit. 
people tuning in, who's Marty McDonald? Obviously figured out you're from Philly. You grew up, had to be growing up an Eagles fan. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing. (laughs) Big Eagles fan, come from a family of Eagles fans. Just a big overall football thing. Um, I grew up in the Philadelphia area, Northeast Philadelphia to be specific. My parents then moved us out a little bit north into the suburbs. I have a brother and a sister. We grew up, you know, I would say like normal middle class stuff. I think the one thing that I'm super appreciative of and, you know, telling my parents whenever I could and when my mom was still alive that, you know, I always appreciated them sending me to private school just from the fact that it was well more advanced. And I never realized it until I got in my 30s of like how it set the tone. But outside of that, you know, your standard middle class, you know, type upbringing. But I did have my dad work for himself. My uncles work for themselves. I come from an entrepreneurial type family, even if it's just self-employed, you know, no one was going out on, you know, reinventing something and going out on Shark Tank. But, um, you know, smart, hardworking type people you know, fought for a lot of things, so to speak, when we were growing up, we weren't necessarily wealthy, but we never went without, you know, but it's just kind of that standard Irish Catholic type family where, you know, parents gave up a lot so their kids could get better. And I'm a product of that. That's really cool. Were you big into sports growing up? Like I know maybe watching, but playing sports? Yeah, I played soccer a lot. I played that organizationally and then through high school until my junior year in high school. And then I did play a lot of club sports. I'm super competitive like that, whether it's darts, billiards, golf, whatever it is. I was just contacted for a men's soccer league that I just turned to my buddy and I said, I don't want to be the 43-year-old guy that blows out his Achilles trying to, you know, make the miraculous play. But yeah, you know, I love doing that and I love that teamwork aspect of it all the time. That's cool. So like we're going to talk a little bit about today. You recently wrote a book. We were talking before the show. You're working on another one. Just mm-hmm. You're just an all around just good guy. I think that's like the one reason why I keep coming back to, hey, I love to have you on this show and what I'm doing and follow you online, worked with you. And I just love, I think your personality. So, you know, early on this junior kind of kid in high school, you kind of stopped playing soccer. How did you find, or maybe you were already doing it, that you just wanted to do something different than the traditional nine to five, clock in, clock out, go have a career working for somebody and you started wanting to work with maybe your friends and work for yourself? Mm-hmm. So, and you can appreciate this, you know how sometimes you get to a point in life and you look back and you try and figure that question out. And I think if you ask yourself when you're like 27 versus when you're 37, and then especially when you get into your 40s, sometimes those little signals that you ignored when you were 15, 16, 17, you're like, damn it, it was right in front of my face, you know, of where I should have been. And my idea was, you know, you you go to school, you know, you get that good job, and then you kind of go from there. And I was stuck in that mentality for a long time. And I finally broke out. I just, by dumb luck, I went to dinner with a gentleman who eventually hired me shortly thereafter that dinner. And they were in a startup company. And once I got into that, after the previous two positions that I had, I was just like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, it took about six months to eight months because there was a lot of struggles in that company and I didn't realize it. But when I look back on it, that was the moment where I realized I'm like, no, I'm not supposed to be in a job. And that was around 2001. So the cool part about it with being with that company was a startup staffing firm. I was a headhunter. I really enjoyed it. But what I enjoyed about it wasn't necessarily the work. Don't get me wrong. I did like the work and I did very well at it. But the one thing that really drove me was all the inner workings of like a startup. Like, how do we do this? I didn't know it at the time, but years later, they would tell me like, yeah, we were like one week away from not making payroll. <laughs> you know. And when I look back on that part of it, I was like, that was exciting. There was a palpable energy. Like you had to go kill what you were going to eat, so to speak. And 
that started that whole feeling of where I should have been, you know, earlier on, like, why didn't I start a small company? You know, and I think about it, it was 1993, the internet's just kind of being born when I was graduating from high school. And I think about all those things, but I never put myself in an environment. So when I look back on that, it took that little trigger in working with that small company. I spent five years there. I continued consulting into, you know, staffing as well, but doing it a little bit different. But in 2002 is when I started doing marketing on the side. And that's how that whole thing was born. But I realized that, man, I should have been doing this a lot longer or looking into more things of how to start your own business and things like that. Now, you know, Marty, there's a couple of things, right? Like the figuring it out part, that had to be fun for you, at least figuring it out because you're like, you know, I, if you go back to your beginning statement, this freedom piece, which is, I think is such a, like, to me, it's like the cap on the bottle of beer, right? It holds all this <laughs> stuff together. And then once you pop it off, you're like, now you have freedom. You're like, okay, now I can enjoy what I've been seeing so long. And I've seen so many people have. Was there a specific moment, like, I don't know, you said your mom passed, but like growing up, like, did you see your parents come home long days, struggle, just kind of like so tired? Like I watched my mom work three jobs by the time she came home. She was exhausted. She would fall into bed. What was that like for you? Yeah, I saw a lot of that. You know, both my parents worked really hard in whatever capacity. My mom, a stay-at-home mom, and then also tutoring on the side and other jobs to make sure that one of them was home almost nonstop for us. That's one of the things I always remember. And then taking like a family vacation to the beach, my dad would work ridiculous hours before and ridiculous hours afterwards. But while he was at the beach, he had the flexibility. And a couple of times being in Philadelphia, it's only a couple hour ride for where we used to go. He would leave in the morning and come back later on middle of the week for meetings or whatnot. But that flexibility always stuck with me. And that hustle, you know, always stuck with me. When you're a kid, you don't necessarily know it's 100% going on. (laughs) But when you look back on it, you're like, oh, that was pretty cool. So translating that into how I wanted to live was always being there, so to speak. Like if you wanted to do something, no matter who it's with or what you're doing, you could go do that, you know, go to a concert and not worry about, you know, oh, I got to leave work. Oh, I can't leave work until 4.30. I mean, I was like, I always felt like a bullshit existence. You know, if you had to wait and punch a clock, unless you're doing a job that required punching a clock and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not knocking having a job. It just wasn't for me like fitting into that anxiety of like, oh my God, like I could get hit by a meteor tomorrow (laughs) just to make like a big thing about it. And I'm like, I got to sit here for another 20 minutes before I can go. Like it just never jived with how you're supposed to live for me. So I don't know if that answers that question. It's perfect, right? Because here's the deal. Like I love the, hey, I'm not knocking. No, 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 I'm not knocking. Like some people look at entrepreneurs and go, you guys are stupid. You'll work 90 hours. You get paid like 40 because that's basically what you really are doing. So just can we just change the language pattern here for a moment? I'm like, you're absolutely right. Like I do some stupid things in my life, but the one thing I love more than anything is waking up when I get to wake up and doing what I love to do without being told how to do it. Right yeah. now, my customers sometimes will tell me, hey, what you're Absolutely. doing needs to be adjusted. But more or less, you know, I love coming in and doing it and showing up and helping so many people. What's the team like for you? What kind of team do you have around you? I have a pretty extensive team around me and I'm learning more and more what I do need. I think you and I might have talked about this when we were talking before one time. And it's like, all right, Marty, you need an organizational person, you know, because 
I can think three years down the road, six years, like, oh, let's where's social media going to go? What's marketing going to go? And I could sit here for another six hours and talk about that. But if you ask me right now, what's on your schedule? Other than a gym at nine tomorrow and a meeting I have at 10 o'clock, I have no idea. And I know there's a bunch of stuff because Wednesday is usually a pretty hectic day. So when you surround yourself with people, I need people that can organize. My business partner is great. Rich is balances me out because he's well-organized and thought out in that minute. Plus, he's really good with clients. Not that I'm bad with clients or managing them, but his customer service skills are over and above where mine are. Front-facing, getting them to lead through a sale or painting a vision, I can do that in my sleep. So yeah, I always try and find people that compliment. I'm very lucky that I have Rich as a business partner and a friend for, man, we've known each other for going on 13 years now, 14 years. And it's totally different. He's completely the opposite of me. And a lot of people say, like, why do you have someone that's completely different? Or why don't you hang out together as much? And it's like, you know, we're, we're working on something. Do we, you know, grab lunch every once in a while or dinner? Absolutely. Do we meet regularly? Absolutely. But really what it boils down to is trying to find people that compliment you. And with our team, and as we've built it, I have to remember that not everybody wants to work like me, nor can everybody work like me because they need the structure. And it's hard for me to build in the structure because I'm like, who wants to work that way? In my head, I'm like, well, Apparently, what I'm learning is about 99% of the population wants to work that way. And I'm the oddball because I want to work free-flowing and do this without a schedule. So in building teams and building this organization, putting those things in place so that it supports not only Rich and I's vision for what we want to do, but also gets the work done, makes the clients happy, and also makes an environment that is not stifling, that's not going to kill everybody, so to speak, and and make it boring because I wouldn't want to create a company like that, nor would I want to work in one. Yeah. And I mean, when you check out like badrhinoinc.com and you just, you take a look at kind of the storytelling, the person you guys are, the company you run. You know, today was the first time I've been out to lunch with my business partners in 30 days, right? Like we see each other, but we're not like (laughs) rushing out like, Hey, but we'll break bread and have somebody, you know, bring us food. But today was like the first time in like 30, maybe even 40 days that we just sat down and had a meal and just didn't really talk so much about work, just caught up about life. But the things that I kind of want to jump into today as we're kind of going up Success Mountain, and I'm just, my heart rate's moving a little bit because what I'm learning is there's just this thing about evolution and growth and how we keep evolving as entrepreneurs and how we move things off of our plate to get the freedom tomorrow to go to the gym at nine so you can have the flexibility and freedom to live today. So you have things that are super important. Hobbies, what kind of hobbies do you enjoy when you're not working or doing what you love? So two of them, we've already, we touched upon a little bit. One is golf and one is craft beer. And golf has been a lifelong passion, just the perfection of it. And it's like you versus yourself all the time. Yeah, you can play against other people, but ultimately you're playing that game against yourself and really the space between your ears. Once you get the mechanics down, it all just becomes a mind over matter, so to speak. And you can enjoy it. And it's one of the few places that when I am golfing, I forget about just about everything else that's going on. And I've clung to that. And I like to play as much as possible. I just took a quick little trip down to Ocean City, Maryland last week with a business partner to discuss something. But I was like, hey, why don't we just take this quick trip, play 36 holes and come back? It'll be a better use of all our time. And we got a lot done just by doing that. So I have combined a lot of my what I like to do as hobbies as what I like to do for business. It's how I got into craft beer almost by accident as a niche. It's not healthy to go out and drink beer every day. 
But what you can do with craft beer, which is why it's so appealing to me, is the pairings and the changes in it, what it brought about. And it was really interesting to watch this growth and got involved in it early, just talking to a lot of brewery owners and a lot of money behind the breweries and started really enjoying like the atmosphere and the people because it's not like going out there and like Budweiser, woo, you know, like that type of thing, that big beer brands that are out there. It's more of like, all right, well, we'll pair this and we'll pair that with like a meal. And this is what we're trying to do. And the taste is more like a wine thing. And that was really appealing to me because it has a mass appeal. So that was another hobby. And I also turned golf and beer into part of the business because like I said earlier, if I'm going to have this freedom, I want to be able to enjoy, but also combine some of these things. And I think that's important. Outside of that, I love to read. I love to work out and exercise and kind of get all that aggression out of me. I've been working with a personal trainer now for almost two years and it's been fun, but I really like to read movies when I get a chance. And I've actually brought TV back into my realm, but like I pick more of what I, you know, there's so many more selections now of how you can actually choose the media you watch. And I found like, you know what, I have to interject some entertainment in here and not just be learning all the time because you get boring when you're just learning about stuff. But I do truly enjoy history and, and all that, whether it's reading or watching something about it. A couple of weeks back, Masters uh, oh, was Masters on. Tournament. Did you fall like in love all over again? Were you shocked that Tiger Tiger didn't make it? So then, okay, we moved Tiger to the side. Now we had some new people to fall in love with this tournament, right? Like this was like Mm -hmm. a really exciting weekend in golf. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts as you watch the Masters. You know, it's every April I look forward to it, every single one. And it's like an entire week of fun. It celebrates the sport. It celebrates to me the tradition of the sport also shares with the etiquette of golf. I mean, people argue like Augusta only let men in and there's, you know, all this other stuff. And, you know, there's some validity to that. Like, I don't dismiss that at all. But there's also, you know, some tradition there. And I think the tradition and there's a lot of positive things that they're branching out and they've broken down a lot of those barriers for the past 20 plus years, even 30 years. But for me, every April is so you fall in love with golf. And I think most golfers will agree. That's when you get in there. If you're in a, a climate like we are here in the Northeast, that's when the weather starts to break. You get to watch it on TV a little bit and it's just getting warm enough to go out and play. You're starting to itch to get out there and it's the perfect intro right in there. The course, it's always played the same course and you have a familiarity with it. You know where the pins are going to be on Sunday for the most part and you've seen the shots before. You know what these players are up against and it makes it a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Oh man, I suck at golf. So just listening to you, I'm like, (laughs) okay, it's a head game. I'm in my head all the time. I play pool and I'm in my head like, yeah, me too. Don't mess the eight ball. The bullseye. (laughs) No, no, no. Don't hit the two. Hit the bullseye. Like literally, how do you deal with that kind of pressure? Been able to talk yourself through things just to kind of have a breathing exercise where you just like try to tune out everything that's going on so you can really focus on that one thing that you need to get accomplished. And it's funny when you bring up pool and golf too, but I love shooting pool. I actually just moved and have rid of my pool table. Well, at least temporarily, I'll get another one eventually. But that's one of those things where you look and the balls are all laid out. And if you're playing by yourself or you're playing a game with somebody and you look, you're like, okay, I want to hit this ball. Then if it bounces off here, I should be set up for this shot or this shot. And you play that over in your head. And I think business and I think life in general is, yeah, you have to concentrate on the task at hand, but you also want to make sure that you have your next step, your second step, you know, make sure that you're involved in those things the right way and that you have those things, you know, where you are. And what I mean by that is that people get lost and go in maybe 20 steps 
and not doing the task at hand. And for me, I just need to know, okay, what's next? And then go, okay, I know what's next. Now let's just do this so we can get to the next thing. And it might sound counterintuitive that you're like thinking off in the distance and not focusing on the task at hand. But to me, when you put all those balls on the table, so to speak, you have to know how it's going to finish, or at least you hope how it's going to (laughs) finish. And if you can't have that end, the completed part, whatever task that's involved with, then you have a difficulty focusing in on that task. And that's one thing I'll have to say through a lot of self-development, a lot of help in those and some coaching that I had to learn the hard way many times. It's like, okay, why are you doing this right now? And just get it done. But what's it lead to? What's going on? And all those balls on the table, so to speak. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to today, Marty McDonald, Bad Rhino. Everything about the website, the company, five stars in my opinion. If there was six, I'd give it. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about some of those challenges, some of those ways that he's been in to hone his skill zone. Talk about his love for beer, his love for just helping people to kind of focus on what they love to do. And they'll take care of all the social marketing and all the other fun stuff that a lot of times people don't want to do because they just want to focus on what they love. We'll talk more about Bad Rhino right after this on the Be Fulfilled Show. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. All right, we are back on the Beef Fulfilled Show. Today's guest, Marty McDonald, Bad Rhino, Inc. If you are looking for just a dynamic company to partner up with. And one of the things that I love is their ability to have some really core strategic partners. So, you know, maybe it's not what they function at, but they know somebody who could help you kind of do that for your business. Go check out badrhinoinc.com today. We are talking with Marty McDonald. So Marty, we were talking a little bit before the break, kind of some life challenges. We were taking pool. We took darts. We took beer. We took golf. And I think at the end of the day, it's like how to master the head game, right? How do you yeah. really, you know, take all of that stuff that's going on and get that win across the table? Have you faced any big challenges in your life that really have taught you some really valuable life lessons you could share today? Absolutely. I mean, I think when you don't stop and think about the challenges that you've had and things that you've overcome, you're selling your life a little bit short because you either wallow in it or you get better. And I'll share a business one. We started this really in, we started Bad Rhino really in 2010 and we had no idea. I just saw an opportunity and my business partner came with me with an idea and I was like, man, you know, I think this is going to work. And it did, you know, and we started off and we're going like crazy. And it's hard to imagine what Facebook was, even though I'd been through it eight years ago. And I'm like, back then it was like a service for these businesses to be like, can you just take this off our plate completely? The ad network wasn't really there. There was no source of leads. It was just like, this is a new place people are hanging out. We don't know what to do with it. So in a little ways, it was like shooting fish in a barrel in terms of the services and people replying back and doing stuff. Well, in 2014, especially the end of 2013, things dramatically changed. You know, They updated everything, ads were coming out, but it also fit into what an overall marketing plan was for a company. And we were prepared for it, but we weren't prepared in the way we were. And our business took a, let's say a sizable hit, but a good one, you know, where it was like, we're getting punched from every direction and we don't quite know how to handle it because things were going so well that we never stopped and thought about what that next shot was, like I was referring to earlier. And we got caught behind the eight ball, use another analogy there. (laughs) 
And, you know, it's a struggle for good six months, like in terms of like, hey, can you pay the bills type of deal? And we were lucky enough to get through it. But the challenge was like, you had to reinvent your entire business. And the expectation was that it was changing so fast and so rapidly and becoming such a bigger, bigger business with more dollars involved from the Facebooks of the world, the Twitter, Snapchat, et cetera, public companies and all that, that we weren't completely prepared for it. We were taking things seriously and we had some really good things that were going on during that time. But when we saw like the core business just start to fall apart, we were like, we have to change everything. And we did. And we changed everything and revamped just about everything. And you just mentioned, you know, having partners involved. And that was something that, you know, we had to take a step back and be like, do we want to be a full service firm or should we have partners doing these things? And we talked about surrounding yourself with the right people to execute your vision. And that's like an ego thing sometimes where you have to be like, "Eh, I can do that or "Eh, I can hire somebody to do that, where you want to partner with the people that have the expertise and just become a stronger organization. But the biggest challenge there was just getting slapped around for six months and not and worrying about not only like having income coming in, but also worrying about, hey, is this thing going to sink? You know, we have employees, we have people that are relying on us and getting up every day and reinventing it now realizing and that whole outtake of that whole thing is, and the path moving forward is we try and reinvent ourselves a little bit about every six months. So we don't fall in that trap. Like there's a ton of stuff going on right now that's going to impact Facebook, not really today, but really in the next six to 12 months, it's really going to impact and things are going to be different. And we're preparing for that now rather than waiting for it. And that's probably the biggest challenge in owning and running Bad Rhino that we had to overcome. I appreciate it, man. And I love that you know, you can get vulnerable for a moment and say, hey, you know, like you use the word lucky. And I think what I like to use that word is, is we got fortunate enough that we're still here sure. today. We, we got through some storms. <laughs> what I want to do, and I'm going to throw you in the fulfillment round. I'm going to ask some questions because I'm going to get you to just probably wide, get you wide open, get you cracking some jokes, get you <laughs> laughing, get you smiling some more. And if you guys Let's don't do know, it. Marty, he's always up for a good challenge. He's a lot of fun to hang out with. And so what we're going to do, if you're ready, you can't phone a friend, you can't take a break, you have to make it up if you don't know the answer. <laughs> Only one guy has ever passed. One oh, yeah. guy, one guy passed once. And I was like, oh, are you serious? He's like, yeah. So no passing, all right? It's like having a beer in front of you and saying, yeah, you can have it. Like, come on. <laughs> I know at the end of the day, you just want to have it, especially if it's something that you brewed up. All right, so here we go. If you're ready, I'm ready. Let's give it. If the Eagle season started now and all quarterbacks were healthy and you had to put the right quarterback in to start the game. No preseason, just game right now. Who would you choose and why? Carson Wentz. It's uh, pretty obvious. Guy goes out there, plays lights out, gets him in the position to have home field advantage and everything else. And he's done everything right in two years. If he's healthy right now, 100% he starts the game. There's no question. That's, That's only fair. All right. What do you do with Nick? You keep him as a backup, trade him away and get some picks. <clears throat> I think they're going to trade him away and get some picks. And the reason being is one, I think he wants to be a starter. Two, he deserves to be a starter. And three, I think he knows his role, which makes him a special player. And I think he knows that. And I think he knows he wants to go and try it with a clean slate so he can prove himself. I honestly believe that. You remember the Donovan McNabb era to now? Oh, yeah. What's it been like living in Philly, being an Eagles fan all these years? 
Oh, man, I go back to 1980 when I was five years old and Eagles had just beat the Cowboys to go to the NFC Championship game and we're finally going to the Super Bowl. Now, my grandfather, my uncles, my father, all season ticket holders for years, they come back. It's like party central. Like, hey, we're going to the Super Bowl. Like, this is just elation from a family standpoint. Should have probably won the game. You know, I was a kid where the in Philadelphia at the time, the Phillies just won the World Series. So I'm thinking, this is life. You know, we win a World Series, we're going to win a Super Bowl. Well, five-year-old Marty was disappointed in 1981 at that Super Bowl. And five-year-old Marty did not get to release that tension, so to speak, up until just a few short months ago. And I will tell you that those childhood memories that you tie, and it has nothing to do with the game of football. It has nothing to do with Ron Jaworski and, or the Oakland Raiders back then, your team. Knowing any of that, it had to do with everything when you see it on your father's face or your uncle's face when they're like, you know what, this will be fun because that's what they used to go with with my grandfather and their, you know, her dad or his dad and do all that. So you get to see all that. But those are the memories that you have is like sitting there with my old man going, I think they're going to win, dad. And he's like, oh, we'll see, you know, and then they lose. And I'm stuck with that for 30 some odd years, 40 years almost. It's been tough, but you've also had some really amazing things happen in Philly over the years, right? You had a chance for the 76ers. Now they're in the playoffs, right? So you've you've got, this is your kind of sports year again, right? You're like, oh man, there's some good things happening. Let's say I fly in and you and I go catch a basketball game and you're like, hey, what do you want to do? And I'm like, man, I heard Philly is the bomb for some Philly (laughs) cheesesteaks. If I was to say, I want one, where would you take me? All right. So that's the like a million dollar question that everybody asks about Philadelphia. The two tourist traps are Pat and Gino's. Okay. So there's a couple of places. I don't play favorites because honestly, Pat's and Gino's, they'll put cheese whiz on there. Right. Oh, that was my second it's question. No good. It's no good. I mean, if you want that, that I'm not going to knock it, but I mean, come on, man. It's a, it's a jar of, I don't even know what the hell that shit is. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like, go get something with some real cheese. So there's gym steaks, right? There's a couple different locations. That's pretty high on the list. There's one that I recommend that everybody should go to, which is Tony Luke's. Now, they have a different sandwich, which is a broccoli rob that's like tremendous and a roast pork sandwich that's great too. They also make a good cheesesteak. And to me, having a mix of things is more authentically Philadelphia than just saying a cheesesteak. I'm tired of cheesesteaks. I'm tired of Rocky. I grew up here. It's all overblown, but it's a legit question. You should try one. It's a little bit different, but going to a place like Tony Luke's or there's tons of different places, Campos, Toludo's, there's a lot of Italian restaurants as well as some places that you can get great sandwiches. And that's where you should start off. And that's where I would take anybody is a couple places like that down in uh, the Italian market. I'm trying to think of What's on the corner? I waited there one day and it was preseason. It was the uh, Eagles. I was sitting outside. It was right on the corner. It had they're to be both, one of those two that you mentioned. Yeah, Gino's and Pat's, they're right across from each other. They're at Ninth and Pat's, Yunk in South Philly. And yeah. they're right on the corner outside. It's yeah, and I walked way. in and I was like, hey, the guy's like, hey, you want some cheese whiz? I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, and I was like, <laughs> this is like, uh, it's like you make pizza and then you throw some other thing on it that doesn't really belong. You're like, yeah, it wasn't amazing or anything. But uh, no, a couple things, not- Marty, I, I want to. No. So if you could play golf anywhere, like no destination was off limits and you could have somebody be with you, where would you go and who would you choose to play golf with? Now that means you could take a pro, an amateur, take a neighbor, you could take a relative. They have, they're live or? 
Hey, you, you get to choose, man. I'm giving it to you. Am I just taking two people or is it a foursome? No, it's you and one others. You're going to pair just, up. You're going to pair up with Palmer and <laughs> Tiger. So I'll give you those two. You're going to be pairing up with those guys. Okay. So with Palmer and Tiger, then I would definitely, it would be myself and we'll go with somebody that's living. It would be my uncle Tom because he would be able to share stories about my grandfather that I could relate to, that introduced me to the game of golf, that actually introduced me to Arnold Palmer in a way. And I was more enthralled that Arnold Palmer used to fly his own plane than how he could play golf. My grandfather was like, you should build your life around Arnold Palmer. I never really got when he meant that. What he did mean was he was good at one thing, but then everything else that was around him, being an ambassador for golf, being just a, a good overall person that way, but then flew his own plane, the courses, monetize this whole thing in a weird way that would be uh you know kind of how i built bad rhino i could talk about that for another hour but i would pair up with my uncle and go out and play golf with those two other guys you know that palmer guy and uh tiger woods so it'd be kind of fun all right you talked a little bit about bad rhino today how'd you pick the name that's the million dollar question that everybody asks. And that's one of the reasons we left it as Bad Rhino. So I'll get to how we named it. But what's been interesting over the past eight years are two things. Everyone asks that question, Tony. And the second thing is that I like when we get down to the final stages of a selection process. And also on the front end, I think it happens before a company would hire us. They have to consider that they're hiring a company called Bad Rhino and put it in front of <laughs> whoever the decision maker is if they're not. And I always wanted to be in a spot where I want to show up to meetings. I don't have to be in a suit. This is what you get. You know, I don't mind dressing up or you know, being you know, polished, so to speak, but I also like showing up in a t-shirt, jeans, and in a hoodie. And I like to work that way too. So Bad Rhino, I wanted to keep that. But the name originated very simply as Rich came into my office one day when we were working together back in 2010 at a different company, my last job. And he came in and said, I got an idea for a company. He laid out what was the framework of what would become Bad Rhino. And I said, you know what, Rich? knowing you're super thought out and I don't have much time for this. I knew it would take him like two weeks to come up with a really good name. And I'd see if he was serious, you know, like, like is he actually considering starting his own company? Cause I like this idea a lot. And he came back in about 45 minutes, erased my whiteboard, wrote down 12 names for the life of me. I can't remember the other 10. One was obviously bad rhino. The other one was Moosehorn, And we went with bad rhino. Moosehorn sounds like a brewery <laughs> down the road, right? It does. Yeah. And Bad Rhino sounds like what you guys have been able to make it is just one just really cool company. And the one thing that I'm just like, aha, is that today during this entire interview, we're on video. So people listening <laughs> don't have the privilege of seeing what I get to see. I get to see the guy you described, like, you know, come in, just be as your heart, have a hoodie, jeans, just be plain Jane in a t-shirt. But behind it, he's got three just really cool photos of rhinos. And I just think, you know, Marty, I just want to say thanks. You came in, you answered questions, probably some you hear like the cliche of the Philly and why'd you get the company name? But in between all of that is all the good stuff, right? The stuff Absolutely. of overcoming obstacles, challenges, building teams, going through it, you know, trying to say, oh my gosh, like this is happening, but you figured it out. We talked a little bit about sports. We talked about the dynamics of kind of life and business partnerships and making time for the things that are important, like sneaking away and going playing some golf, like hanging out, bringing back stories, you know, of relatives in the past to go play golf with. Like you got today to share some of that. What I love to do in closing the show and encompassing everything, like all the domains, URLs, everything you guys want, it's going to be available in the show notes. But the thing that I want most out of you right now, Marty, is something that you picked up along the way, some speckle of something that's been able to go with you and everything that you do. It's in your fiber, it's in your being, it's who you are and how you show up. Just if it's a quote, wisdom, whatever you want, this is your turn. 
You know, I'm going to take it just a touch different. It's something that you touched upon earlier, and I take it as a great compliment. You said I'm easy to hang out with. And that's something I prided myself on in building my network years and years and years and years ago as a headhunter. was always like, I need to be that guy that someone would be like, yeah, I'd grab a beer with Marty. I'd I'd grab a lunch with Marty. I'd go to a game with Marty. And it doesn't mean we have to be best friends. It doesn't mean we have to share you know, every story and everything about each other and have this great, great friendship. It was just always there that approachable and being there for other people. And it's led to a lot of great relationships. It's led to having conversations like this on other people's podcasts, including yours. It's led to creating a bigger network where I've gotten involved in bigger projects, bigger deals. But then more importantly, like you get that card in the mail that just says, Hey, you know, hope all is well. I just was thinking about you the other day. And, you know, it's a picture or something about golf or something that's just personal to me. And it creates relationships. And I think that's the bottom line is creating relationships and being in social media. And being in internet marketing in this great digital age that we live in, I think that's a lost thing. And I always try and make sure that I put that person first before the brand, before the Facebook posts, before anything else. And that's the one thing I've learned, you know, and it's taken me a little while to appreciate when I look back over my career to date and what I've done. And it all comes back to that common thing, taking that one extra second to either pick up the phone or shoot an email or even a text to answer somebody's question and not let it sit there for, you know, 45 days or whatever. Stuff doesn't always happen that way perfectly, but I always want to be that person that was approachable. And you said it earlier, and I appreciate that because you picked up on it. Well, every time I've ever been around you, talked to you, had some interaction with you, the people that I know you keep company with, some of the the funny conversations from Dexter (laughs) and all these things that I see online. Yeah, you just have a good time. And I think that makes for a guy to go play golf with, to a person to have a beer with, a person to talk shop and life with, to show up in a session to want to stand out in a crowded space is you're just a down to earth, good old boy, like I like to call it, just somebody that at the end of the day just really wants to help people succeed. Pretty much. Absolutely. That's a pretty, pretty good way for me to wrap up the show. And thank you for being a guest and coming on and doing it again. I appreciate you, Marty. I appreciate you too, Tony. I'll talk to you soon for sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, all things come to this one thing. Make sure that today is the best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at drainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever.